two or three in the morning, feeling reversed. Um, it was just the far side of Stony Cross. And we saw a large black creature, only for a very few seconds, and it disappeared into age. I'm not prepared to say really any more than that. Why? Because I don't know what it was. I mean, I'm not prepared to say, hey, I saw a mystery, I saw a big mystery cat. I saw a, mystery, I saw a large black animal I couldn't identify. And I reckon it was a puma. It was black. Not How could you have got a, a puma bias because you're a cryptozoology? Would somebody else have seen this and thought that's a very, very big dog? Possibly. I mean, it's, uh, I wouldn't... Except for the Cubans, the, um, the zoologist who pretty well founded cryptozoology has always said that he hoped he never saw anything, because nobody believed him. Uh, and, he, and he spent ages sitting on the shores of Loch Ness hoping that he'd actually see something, but then if he actually did see, see something, not knowing actually how he would have dealt with it then. So, I mean, yes, I, I saw something, I don't know what it was. I reckon it was probably a big cat, but essentially I must like, like I said, I'm a biased witness. That must be the terrible thing about your profession in, in general, that being, obviously some people here are more scientific than others, but being on, on the fringes of zoology, your success would be your downfall. Finding out the truth of the matter would, yeah. would cause possible ridicule. One of the things people have often said is that if um, a cryptozoological animal became a known animal, say by the by someone obtaining a, a specimen like a carcass or a, a thoroughly, you know, a definite photo, it would take that animal away from cryptozoology. What we've seen so far is that when animals, such as there's a cat in the Americas called the Onza, and there's also pygmy elephants, which have actually been even kept in zoos, when people actually obtain these specimens, the controversy around them doesn't, never stops, it's still going on. Um, so, you know, cryptozoology is, is part, it's within zoology, it's not kind of a, a separate discipline, whereas where you have animals that are definitely cryptozoological as, as opposed to animals that are definitely not. But, um, you know, these things, there's, there's still a lot of mystery surrounding all of them. Well, I was actually wondering whether there's animals which we now consider to be very much everyday creatures who once were, who were once thought of as mythical beasts. Like the Vikings, Norsemen, um, had a legend of a creature called a Kraken, which they said would attack their longships and drag, drag them under and snatch men off the decks. And uh, for centuries this was thought to be nothing but maritime legend until they started turning up alive, kicking and very dangerous off the coast of Newfoundland in the 1870s. And now um, this mythical creature, the Kraken, has the Latin name Articusis Dux, the giant squid. That's just one of them. Mountain gorilla, nothing but a, a hairy monster from African folklore till the middle of the last century. So we can see a, a, an almost exact analogue between the gorilla and, say, things like the Yeti today. Huge, hairy ape that lives in a remote place. Most scientists scoff at it like they used to do at the gorilla. Mm. But I've got no doubt that, um, that one day we'll be proved wrong. And big animals are still found, like sort of a, a couple every year, uh, large, large species of mammal. Uh, you know, some of them are very well known in the zoological community. And, and every year we now find new discoveries. My field is, is marine, large marine animals. And last year, a new type of beak, a new species of beaked whale was found. And uh, yeah, you don't find a new whale very often. And also, um, a mega mouse shark 
um, mega mass shots were only they were first found in 1976, um, and they're known throughout the Pacific. They've turned up Japan, Australia, Los Angeles, and Hawaii. Now they've actually turned up in the Atlantic, which is a real surprise to everyone. Well, are they finding new marine animals constantly? Didn't they just just a couple of weeks ago find oh, yeah. something the size yeah. of a platter? In in this case, I'm talking about 30 foot animals. You know the sort of thing. That Zoologists would say that we don't we don't tend to miss animals like that. In the in the old literature, you do get accounts of animals that are known now, and that were known then. But you do also get accounts of animals um, that, by their description, could be unknown. Mm-hmm. So that and they're treated all in the same texts. The, the animals that are quite an elephant, lion, bear is in the same body of literature as animals that are, that are unknown now which, to my mind, is more of a plausible evidence. It's just in their straight natural history textbooks of the time. Mm. Talking, you know, like, say, Middle, Middle Ages China, 18th century China. Mm. You also get references to animals that are unknown now, perhaps because they've become extinct. One of the things people have used to support the Yeti and stuff is that the local people there treat it as, as a matter of fact, as they do the other animals that we know are real because we have specimens in our museums. Mm. So they're always surprised when people like you look going up there to find the Yeti, they're going, well, well I think the, the, the Quenbo vid, which was found, I mean, the locals have been eating it. And the first evidence of that was the horns, which were found. So they said, well, what's this? And they said, oh, well, that's lunch, sort of thing. And I think, again, the comparison with the gorilla, when areas of the world are unknown, we tend to have this feeling that the world's largely explored now, and it's now the areas like Irian Jaya um, and Vietnam, where people are getting, or Europeans and perhaps scientists are getting access for the first time and are coming back with these animals, which before, um, as Richard said, would have been dismissed as travellers' tales, or which the gorilla was for years. So do we think that we're going to discover that the that the owl man actually exists? Yeah. I mean, it's terrifying. This is half man, half owl. Mm-hmm. You can see that it has flesh and blood being like a living crane ox or mega mouth shark. I think it's it, just, it doesn't exist defined by the same laws of physics as the other animals we've talked about, and indeed the six animals, that, seven animals that are sitting around this table today, mm-hmm. will defined, will, at least I assume, we are all carbon-based life forms, and we are all, we are all defined by the same laws of physics. So the owl man Something exists. like the owl man does exist, but it, it doesn't exist in the same, inverted commas, reality as we do. It, it falls somewhere along on the spectrum that, that cryptozoology, um, within the cryptozoology envelope, which goes from obviously real animals, way down the other end to things that are closer to ghosts and spectres, you know, mm. stuff that's a bit mad. And as scientists, you obviously, you're not interested in the owl man, well, are you? If, if, you're, if you take a scientific viewpoint, you, you need data, but most scientists you find have an open mind and, and are willing to, I mean, you know, normal, everyday people, I mean, we all know people that believe in ghosts or have seen ghosts, and it's much the same with, with professionals. They're just people. So that is data. An owl man has been... I don't actually believe an owl man in the same way as I believe in, say, the mega mouth, but... The mega mouth. The other mega mouth, the mega mouth shark. But, I mean, people have seen owl man, so that is data. So, but it's obviously a complicated history. Who saw the owl man? Well, there's uh, 18 or 19 people over the last 20 years. Um, I interviewed one in particular. Who was... Uh, it was a guy who proposed to be called Gavin. He's a very promising student, and he's, he told me that um, any chance of a job at the end of the um, at the end of getting his degree would go completely out the window if he were, if he'd gone public and said he 
So you've given them both unidentified flying objects, and I'm not concerning. Mm. Mm. Well, the interesting thing but is that with that one, there's a lot of concrete mm. information that suggests there may be an unknown snake. But also what I found interesting when Richard contacted me about it was I looked back through some of my books that Namibia was one of the German colonies in Africa. And I would love to know when this legend started to gain the light on the head because the German folklore has a lightning snake which goes back to the Middle Ages, which is a flying snake with a light on its head. And it seems such a coincidence that you've got these this influence has come in. Now, does the African legend of the flying snake with the light on its head actually predate the German influence? Or is this something that has been grafted on to a story that was there? It's like somebody was um, telling stories in a mission school. Hmm.